Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 893 with David Dressler. You want to help thoughtful leaders grow their businesses so that they can make greater impact in the world. And food is one of those places. Feeding bellies, feeding souls, nourishment. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge. Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Now, I know you know about Plate IQ, but do you know about Plate IQ's new spend management feature? Okay, let me tell you about it. Plate IQ now offers a new spend management feature, which allows you to issue virtual or physical cards directly with Play IQ card. With Play IQ card, there's no credit check, no minimum bank balance, and no personal guarantee required. This feature is great for small restaurants who want to eliminate expense reporting for their employees, but cannot get a corporate credit card issued easily. And I've got to tell you that with Plate IQ card, you can get up to 1% cash back. And you cannot forget that Plate IQ still offers bill pay, incredible insights, and custom approval workflows. To learn more, head to plateiq.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, you can save 25% off implementation. Today's episode is brought to you by Chow Now, a commission-free online ordering system and food ordering app helping restaurants feed their hungry customers. Over 20,000 restaurants trust Chow Now for their online ordering, and this is because Chow Now helps their restaurants keep their profits, own their online experience, meet their customers everywhere, and make every diner a regular. With Chow Now, take unlimited commission-free orders through Chow Now's app and site, and there are no setup fees or monthly payments. And what I really love about Chow Now is that you get to own your customer data. This is something not all third-party ordering apps can claim. And when you schedule a demo, don't forget to ask about leveling up with Chow Now Direct, Chow Now's comprehensive online ordering and marketing package. Because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you can enjoy 30% off the Chow Now Direct annual plan. Sign up today at chownow.com slash unstoppable. That's chownow.com slash unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Margin Edge. With Margin Edge, you can track food and labor costs in real time so you can make informed decisions in the moment. And who likes data entry? No one. So you'll be thrilled to hear that there's no more data entry with Margin Edge. They will save your team hours and paperwork by automating your invoice processing with line item detail. Don't worry about tech integration either because Margin Edge allows you to seamlessly connect your POS and accounting systems and get a daily P&L. And on top of all of this, Margin Edge enables you to digitally manage your inventory and recipes. Plus, you can compare actual costs versus theoretical costs. Head to marginedge.com slash unstoppable to sign up for a free demo. And when you use that link, you can try Margin Edge for free for 30 days. No contract, no setup fee. Plus, you'll get free unlimited training and support. That's marginedge.com slash unstoppable. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, co-founder and former chief people officer of Tender Greens and current coach and strategic advisor at Quiet Advisory, David Dressler. My man, are you feeling unstoppable today? 
Completely. Yes. And if that name, David Dressler, sounds familiar, it's because we literally just had him on the show. I recorded a, a little over a month ago. And really what I'm trying to do with Restaurant Unstoppable, one thing I've learned is that it's not about how many relationships you have. It's about the quality of relationships. So we got David on to share his story, uh, which really well parallels his book, 10-year plan, which he co-authored with his previous business partner, uh, Eric Oberholzer, who we also got on the show. So you can see the theme here. We're going deep. We're, we're drilling down, and we're really trying to get to know these leaders in the industry. So today, we're talking about creative deconstruction. Did I say that right? Or is, it de- is that how you say creative it? Creative destruction. Destruction. Thank you. Creative destruction. Uh, so why don't you just tell us, actually, before we get into that, I almost forgot. We got to do a success quote or mantra. So let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling. What do you got for us? So I was uh, I was recently on uh, um, a webcast where um, Eric, my co-author and partner, co-founder, was interviewing uh, Chef uh, Pierre Thiam from uh, Taranga in New York, uh, who's also the founder of Yolele Foods, um, and just uh, an awesome gentleman. And uh, halfway through the conversation, he said something that just stopped me in my tracks. So I'm sharing it. This just happened last week. Yeah, please. Um, when you were lost, go back to where you came from. Ooh, why did and, that resonate with you? Oh man, because the number of times that I have been in a spot uh, where I felt a little bit stuck or a lot stuck and and thought, well, we just got to push through. We've just got to push through. Typically, that's not ended up being the best solution. But if I could have had the foresight to go backwards a little bit, retrace my steps, how did I get here? Actually examine with some some thought, um, how did I get to this place? I probably would have backed up long enough to see where the, where the other fork in the road was that I missed. So for me, if you're lost, go back to where you came from means take a step back, slow down and figure out the, the next best route, given that you got stuck in the route that you're on. You're reminding me of something that just recently happened in my life. I use this app called Day One, which is a journaling app. And what's cool about it is it will just randomly like like drop like past journal entries on the same day that you made it like three or four or five years ago, whenever you made it. And it just forces you to do exactly that, uh, to go back where you came from. And it's really interesting when I just happened to stumble across these thoughts that I, that I would journal, you know, five years ago. It, and sometimes you're like, what's the next move? Where am I going to be able to reconnect with yourself five years ago to, to know where you were, where you came from really helps steer the ship. And it's a great app, but yeah, absolutely. Doing that, going back to where you came from is super powerful, man. A great way to get this thing started. I'm so happy you brought it there. Um, so let's get into it. What is creative destruction? Okay, so so um, Eric, before before I get into it, I want to back up a second. I want to kind of come back yeah. a little bit uh, to use Pierre's words um, because I think uh, it'll set a foundation for talking about the tool. Um. I think you'd agree in the conversations that you and I have had, and I know that my clients that I work with are in this place of all wanting the same thing, which is essentially a prosperous, sustainably scaling, purpose-driven business. And the thing that I would add to that is sort of cloaked in a heart-centered culture. Maybe that's not for everybody, but um, 
but prosperous because it needs to make money. It needs to be able to sustain itself financially, uh, sustainably scaling, meaning that beyond money, it also has the people and the systems and the infrastructure to not collapse under its own weight as it grows, to not feel like the wheels are going to fall off. Uh, and purpose-driven, simply meaning that it exists for more than just to make a buck. Mm-hmm. It's either because it's supporting its community or it's supporting the advancement of everybody that works there, or it's wanting to solve a problem in the world, or, you know, it exists, it has meaning. Um, And as entrepreneurs, we are challenged because we have got so many competing priorities, because most of us have never done the job before. Unless you were the leader of a bigger business before, you have no idea what this job is, because you're living it every single day. You don't know what you don't know. (laughs) You have no idea. And uh, businesses don't come with instructions. So given that there are always going to be those competing priorities and that our skills and abilities are always in this place of evolving, um, it can feel really exciting and challenging, but it can also feel a little bit overwhelming if we're being totally honest. And with so much at stake, we need tools. And I want to give you one of these, but... um, But before we do, I want to just talk about that for a second more. Um, One of the tools that I I love and believe in, and as you you were kind enough to point out, I wrote a book called 10-Year Plan with my partner. And and that's a a story of how we built a $100 million business. And it shares all the the good stuff, the bad stuff, the ugly stuff, uh, the mistakes that we made, the great things that we did. as a framework for a purpose-driven, meaningful, thoughtful way to build a business. Um, And the chapter, the first chapter is called, we put a pin in the map. And the reason that it's called that is because we believe, I think it's fairly obvious that a business is made up of three things, a starting point, where where the journey begins, to an endpoint, a desired destination, and three, a collection of values or objectives or intentions, um, how we're going to be while we're on this journey together, how we're going to do business. And, um, and creative destruction, this tool, is a great way to self-assess uh, as a group whether on that journey you're heading in the right direction, whether everything is serving the mission. Um, it's a little bit like driving to a place for the first time uh, and winging it or driving to a, f- a place for the first time using ways. Personally, I've got an absolute crap sense of direction. And, um, and so more and more, the idea of driving anywhere without technology is terrifying to me. And I'm, <laughs> I literally, when I, after long road trips, I literally have like blue lines in my dreams of just like, cause I just stare at a GPS all the time. I, and it makes life so much easier. I know what you're saying, but I'm curious. Can we go back and talk a little bit more? Unless did, did you close your thought? Cause I don't want to cut you short. If you're, well, if you're I'll, I'll close my thought and I'll yeah, come yeah, back to yeah. you, which is simply this, that um, I may be making it worse by becoming dependent on, on that technology, but I've got other strengths and I'm okay with that. And, and ways uh, helps me assess whether I'm heading in the right direction. It alerts me to possible delays and hazards in the road, and it provides me with options. It gives me options if the road that I'm on is not working out the way that I hoped it would. And um, and that's what this creative destruction tool is that I'll get into soon. 
Got it. Um, so before we get into creative or before we get into creative destruction, um, you're, you talked a lot about just purpose driven organizations. Uh, this is something that I, I've talked a lot about recently with just in conversation. Uh, what, what is the significance of a purpose driven organization? Okay. So, um, there's a lot of significance to it, but, uh, you know, as, as I said, the idea that a business exists for more than just a profit, um, that it exists to make an impact on people or on community, uh, that it demonstrates the way that it does business with a great deal of care for the outcomes. I want to create win-win outcomes for everybody involved, not just the shareholders making the return, though that's very important but also the employees having a sense of fulfillment and advancement and learning and growing, and that the customers are having a sense of connection to the brand where they feel like it's something that's important in their lives. And the community around us that is fueling our growth is feeling connected and excited that we're taking an active role in being good neighbors to our community. It doesn't necessarily have to be some sort of faith-based thing, though it could be. That's just you know one of many different avenues that a business m- might take in order to be purpose-driven. Um, it could just be a change me, you want to see in the world. You know, like what? Yeah, exactly right. You want to do yeah. something. Yeah, you said for me, I, and I cut you short. Keep going. No, you're you're good. I mean, e- even if no, not even if, but if my goal was to um, put a restaurant in a food desert. I'm doing that because there's a need and also because I want to elevate the level of nutrition or of deliciousness in that community. I want to provide something that, that people don't have there that they should have. If I want to uh, solve a problem that's wasting people's time, that's making it harder for families, and I have, I have a solution to that, then that's a purpose. That's a purpose beyond making a buck. If I get filthy rich as a result of it, wonderful. Yeah. If I can, if I can provide more opportunities, better wages, anything as a result of of the financial impact, the positive financial impact of the business, that's great. But that wasn't where I started. Yeah, and I, I think people, it's weird. Like, and I honestly, I can admit that at a point when I first got started, I was a little naive to this, and I always thought like the goal shouldn't be to make money, like I almost like adverse money, right? When I when I was first like really trying to explore what does it mean to be successful in the restaurant industry, but the more I spoke to people the more I realized that fiscal responsibility should be a core value because you need cash flow to help people, to create opportunities. And the more money you make, the more opportunities you can create for other people. And I think it's really important to recognize that and not to think money's evil. What you're describing to us is conscious capitalism. It's it's not just going to, like you say, serve your stakeholders, even though that is a part of it, it's something else. How can we use this business to create change, to influence, to educate, to make the world a better place? And I, that's why I really want to get into this and pull back some more layers on purpose-driven organizations because I think that this, what we're discussing right now is what will, when I say Restaurant Unstoppable has the ability or just our mission, the restaurant industry has the, the ability to transform the world, it's this. It's educating people and using our businesses to literally transform people. And if we transform people, we can transform the world. Sorry, there's a little bit of a rant, but it's important stuff. No, it's, it's, it's beautiful that, um, that's that, that, that that's your platform that y- you want to create 
thoughtful help thoughtful leaders grow their businesses so that they can make greater impact in the world. And food is one of those places. Yeah. Um, feeding bellies, feeding souls. Uh, food is the ultimate connector. Nourishment. Like yeah. we, we take it for granted. We don't realize how much our world's center around food. It, it's, it's life. That's right. And I think that the scary thing uh, or one of the scary things uh, for restaurant operators is that we're operating on, um, on such slim margins oftentimes. And uh, we're so particularly right now, as we, as we tail out of the pandemic, so gun shy uh, because for many of your listeners, probably uh, they came close to losing their businesses. Yeah. Some did uh, that. We just want to have stability. And so maybe social impact is not the biggest uh, priority but as companies get on 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 the footing of prosperity, meaning that they're making money, because that's number one. It's just like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You got to clothe and, and and house yourself first, yeah. right? But after that, close in there is this idea that we should make an impact. We should make a difference. Yep, I love it. Okay. Uh, so before we move on to creative destruction, what was Tender Greens or what is Tender Greens' purpose? What what was the this underlying thing for you guys. Give us an example. Yeah. So uh, at the time, back in 2003, 2004, when we started talking about uh, creating a business, there were two ways to eat, right? Maybe three. There was um, there was fine dining available to uh, the privileged, very expensive, very exclusive, uh, and not readily available. And then there was cafes, family restaurants, all the way down to fast food um, in diminishing health and in diminishing expense. Um, There wasn't really a lot in the middle. And um, we saw that one as um, blue water, but also uh, a need for people to be able to have the kind of food that we were used to cooking and serving in, in our careers in fine dining, but at a fraction of the cost so that more people could be exposed to the very, very best produce, the very, very best meat, simple seasonings, seasonality, teaching people to eat. And I'll, I'll come back to that in a second. Um, so Tender Greens was created. We created Tender Greens to be that kind of a, uh, of a of a food offering, very best ingredients, simply prepared, cooked right in front of you, as fresh as fresh can be. At at the time, a ten dollar price point. Yeah. So while we were more expensive than fast food, more expensive than than, than some casual dining, we were less expensive than a lot of places, and we became every neighborhood where we opened the the lunch cafeteria for them. And people were experiencing food that they never experienced before. They were watching it being cooked behind a glass right in front of them as they were waiting in line. And they had the the value proposition of food that they couldn't make at home unless they went to the farmer's market and actually had the time and the skill to do it at a price that was costing them less than it would have been to go shopping. So um, that's what we did. And we grew it to um, 30 restaurants, 100 million in revenue, 1,500 people, you know, and a, and a purpose driven culture based in love and compassion um, and, and tremendous discipline 
that I'm really proud to say that I had a hand in creating. Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, we get into detail or you, I shouldn't say wait, you get into detail, a uh, 10 year plan uh, where you really break down the why behind the business and how you, and what the strategy was. And it's powerful stuff. But I, again, we're here to talk about creative destruction. Thank you for going down that little rabbit hole for me. I appreciate you. Actually, before we get into uh, creative destruction, let's take a quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back. Find out why past guests like Tender Greens and Kava are using Play IQ for their accounts, payable automation and expense management solution. Yes, you heard me right. Play IQ now offers a new spend management feature, which allows you to issue virtual or physical cards directly with Play IQ card. With Play IQ card, there is no credit card check, no minimum balance, and no personal guarantee required. This feature is great for small restaurants who want to eliminate expense reporting for their employees but cannot get a corporate credit card easily. And I've got to let you know that with Play IQ card, you can get up to 1% cash back. That's pretty great. Now, I've told you what's new with Play IQ, but you can't forget about all the other features you get with Play IQ, like bill pay and incredible insights and approval of hierarchies. With bill pay, you can seamlessly flow from invoice upload to paying your bill, and this is all happening online, so no more paper checks. Play IQ bill pay lets you see what's due when, and you can pay by check, ACH, or Play IQ card. Also, with Play IQ bill pay, you can say goodbye to escrow. That's right, no more flow. In other words, no money leaves your account until it's received by the vendor. We've got to talk about Play IQ insights too, because I mean, insights are so important. There's insights to allow you to compare spend by item, vendor, time, period, and location. Man, I love some insights. You can even set alerts. For example, if a price goes outside your agreed contract terms, boom, you get an alert. And then lastly, there's Play IQ custom approval workflows. Only see the invoices you need to, no more duplications of efforts, and no more hunting down approvers. To learn more, head to www.playiq.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, save 25% off implementation. We are back and let's get into it. Uh, you, you kind of gave us the the... The aerial view, or actually, did you just set us up for creative destruction? You really haven't told us what creative destruction is yet, or you kind yeah. of yeah. This is like a, this is like the interview of rabbit holes because I'm about <laughs> to take us on another one. Go for it. Uh, all right, so um, I want to have like a little out of body experience with you, please. And I want us to like rise up uh, to about thirty thousand feet and look down on our businesses. And this is the. This is the way that I look at the businesses that I help. It's uh, the framework that we use to build our business that we talk about in the book. But um, I want you to imagine your business, each of us. Um, it starts with our values. It starts with, well, you know, what was important to us at the time that we created our business? What do we believe in? What were our non-negotiables, our core beliefs? Uh, excellent service, inclusiveness, community, prosperity, opportunity. What are the things that were important to us that got us into business in the beginning? And they are the foundations of the culture that we create. And Eric, I, you know, my, my definition of culture is intention supported by action. You have pure intentions. And if, and if you support those pure intentions with action, that's your culture. Mm. If you have great intentions, but you don't actually back up those intentions, they're just words. And then that becomes your culture. Yeah. I love that that element of action because it's like 
The culture is what's happening right now. It's yeah. not what you say you want to be. It's what you do, the actions you take every day. That's that is the reality of your culture. That's right. Yeah. So assuming that that we are as purpose-driven leaders wanting to support our values with action, our values are the sort of framework, the building blocks for what we're about to do. And many of us decided to get into business, to open a business, to express our values. We have a vision for where we want to go. And that vision is might be to be the best this or the biggest this or the first this or whatever that is in our city, in our state, in our country, in the world, right? The greatest whatever. That's the vision that we have for the company for one day. And then we got to tell the people that we're working with something so that we give them a mission. This is the mission that we're on. We're going to do this. And, and the mission simply says, this is what we do day in and day out. This is for whom we do it. And this is why. And that becomes a mission statement that everybody can rally around. And now we have to achieve that mission. And so we have a strategic plan. And that strategic plan is made up of two things, our goals and the tactics to achieve those goals. The goals uh, are typically sort of um, something around revenue, something about profit, and something about impact. And the revenue and profit goals allow us to be prosperous, which, you know, I said in the beginning is something that everybody wants. They don't want a business that's shaky financially. They want a business that's solid. It's dependable. Um, and then the impact goal is how are we going to be purpose-driven? What's the, what's, the, what's the change we're going to make in the world? And from those goals, we derive our, our tactics. And our tactics are the ways that we're going to achieve the goals. And for all of us who are small businesses, we know that we wear multiple hats, right? So one day we're wearing our marketing hat, our ops hat, our finance hat, our HR hat. We wear those hats because that's the way we have to do it. And whether we have somebody actually doing the job or whether it's us, there are still tactics that need to be uh, achieved every year in order to make the goals happen. So another way of looking at it is people, product, profit, place, and promotion, the five P's, right? What are the tactics that we're going to achieve in those five areas in order to make things happen? And, um, and we build systems around those things. And so those goals and tactics are our strategic plan and they're backed up by who's going to do it by when is it going to get done? And what are the metrics to let us know whether we're heading in the right direction? It's going to be 5% increase in this, a 10% increase in this 50 fewer, this 60 more, this, whatever it is from, from covers to uh, reportable accidents, whatever the tactics are uh, to achieve our goals, this is how we're going to do it. And um, having that framework of, values, vision, mission, strategic plan, meaning goals and tactics is a way to look at the framework so that we're all focused on things because we're getting hit with multiple priorities all the time, aren't we? Right? So if we have a focal point and that's the focal point, that's the way that I look at the businesses that I, that I support. And it's the way that uh, I think people do best to look at their businesses critically. Um, but how do we know? Once we've set all that, how do we know if we're heading in the right direction? How do we know if the goals and tactics that we set are achieving the vision for the company? How do we know before too long if we have to pivot or course correct? And that's where creative destruction comes in. Okay. So give me an example of 
using your life, your 10 year plan book, right? Where you get in, mm-hmm. you take us on this whole entire journey. Give us an example of where you hit a point where you said we have to kind of refigure, refigure, like, I can't remember the exact words you use. You come to a point where you realize it's not working, right? And you have to sure. destroy it to recreate it. You, use an example from your life. So, so, um, anytime, anytime we say, I don't know, uh, we're going to reduce accidents in the workplace. And we say, okay, so the problem is, what's the problem? The problem is that we have accidents. We have too many accidents. The, uh, the goal is to reduce accidents. Okay, well, what would be an acceptable number of accidents to reduce it by? Give it a number. And then to say, okay, we're going to do some creative destruction around this. Okay, here's the framework. We're going to do some creative destruction to figure out um, how we're going to reduce accidents in the workplace because accidents in the workplace cost a lot of money. They result in lawsuits. They uh, take people out of their livelihood. They create strain on the workplace. They affect morale. Da, 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 da. Okay. So here's how it would work. And I want to, I want to tell you that creative destruction is a way for everybody in the organization to play a role in figuring out the course correction that's needed. Um, I, I think I said this when we talked last, uh, if you want to design a better broom, talk to the person that sweeps the floor. Yeah. And, um, and so this is that kind of a thing where we get people from all levels of the organization involved so that we get all kinds of different perspectives um, to work out the problems of the organization. The mindset here is about being shameless and blameless. You put a bunch of people in a room together. There are egos there. There's pride. There's the owners who feel a certain way about their organization. And then there's the people who work in the organization, get the job done, who have opinions about things, about how things are running. And they have ideas about how things make, how to make things better. So the mindset of shameless and blameless allows everybody to go into that room and say, Hey, first of all, whether you're the boss in this room or you're not the boss in this room, you have permission, total permission to speak and the support of leadership to say, Hey, speak your mind. That's one. And two, if you're on the receiving end of some criticism today, don't worry about it. It's okay. We're not blaming. We're not shaming. We're just trying to make it better. We're looking for some low hanging fruit here that we can fix to make things better. Um, And so We look at our company, we look at our business through those five P's, people, product, profit, place, promotion, or however we want to look at it. We say, okay, our goal is to reduce accidents. What's working? First question we ask, what's working? And and everybody gets to weigh in on what's working. And why do we start with what's working when we're trying to solve a problem? Because starting with what's working allows everybody to be in the place of appreciation, of gratitude. Yeah. We're not... Go ahead. No, no. I mean, I, I, I just need to give a, a good friend a plug listening to you talk about this idea of, of how important it is to open up the dialogue into like it, the, the line, start with the end in mind. When you, when you start meetings like this, you have to say, this is why we're here. This is our intention. I want you to know we're not here to blame anybody. We're not here. Like we're here to learn and to figure out what's best for all of us. We all have the same vision. We all have the same mission. We're all going to the same place. We will get there 
faster if we do it together. Right. And, um, I, the plug is Tom Walter, uh, entangled organization. I don't know, uh, if you know that expression or Tom Walter, it's my company too, is his book, uh, past guests in the show. And what he calls what you just described is what he calls an entangled organization where no matter where you fall on the hierarchy, because the, the, the vision, the mission, the core values, everything that you described earlier is so well described and shared and echoed that everybody knows and then they empower people continuously to say call me out if i'm not doing this you as the new hire one week on the line can call out the president the ceo the owner if what you went through during training isn't happening right now if i'm the person doing it and that's the idea of an entangled organization it's like a bush it comes back in you don't know there isn't a a tree a hierarchy it's just everybody holds everyone accountable and i just wanted to reinforce how important that is because it it doesn't come up enough in the show and i think you explained it really well sorry it's an awesome analogy i love the idea of a tangled bush where you can't tell where the roots are and you can't tell where the flowers are and you can't tell how each guy it doesn't matter it, it, really, it doesn't matter as long yeah. as it's flourishing. Exactly. I love that. Yeah, that's really cool. Thank you for letting me rant. <laughs> yeah, you bet. Um, so we start with what's working. And, um, and in, the, in the example of reducing accidents in the workplace, uh, we could say, well, uh, we noticed that we have cut gloves that we need. We noticed that we have... Um, all the equipment's working fine. We notice that da, 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 da. we notice these things, um, and we make note of those things because it stimulates our activity, our productivity, our creativity. It keeps us open-minded, and when we've exhausted uh, the number of things that are working, then we go to what's not working. And again, everybody in that room is taking an active role in figuring out how we're going to reduce accidents. And that's really important that everybody feel free to speak. And so, so people say, well, you know what? We don't have enough wet floor signs or the tile in this particular hallway is super um, slippery or um, the, the button on the walk-in, the doorknob on the walk-in is loose and it doesn't allow you to do this and you got to do it with your elbow and we drop a lot of stuff that way and then it's always wet there. Whatever the example is, um, we write those down and we brainstorm as long as it takes to put all those things down. We don't try to solve the problems yet. We just brainstorm what's not working. Why is it important not to try to solve the problem right away? Because uh, being in uh, idea generation mode and then being in solution mode are two different places. And if we spend too much time on one, if we get stuck on one particular topic, we may forget those other ones. And it's better when we're in a particular frame of mind to get all of that out onto paper, onto a flip chart, onto stickies, onto whatever we want to do into a computer uh, and then go back because we won't have missed anything. We'll have captured all of those things. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of writing. When you first sit down to write, you just close your eyes or whatever. I have to close my eyes sometimes when I write. I don't know why. I don't know if anybody else does that, but like you just, for me, close my eyes. I just, I just go, I don't even look at the screen because if I see typos or things like red lines and it just distracts me and I go back to fix it. And it's like that state of flow, right? Where, so where's that state of flow coming from? You said it's in two different parts of the mind. Where's, where's that state of flow, that creative, that, that's that part of the mind. Yeah. Yeah. You ever try to, um, you know, like you meet with your team and you're, and, and you're having a meeting and part of it's about like, fun, creative stuff. And the other thing is about like solving a problem. Yeah. 
it's really hard to shift mm-hmm. from one to the other. And it's hard because the brain gets, oh, wow, we're in, we're in like limitless possibility range now. And now we're, and, and, and I'm loving that. I love that. And now you want that's me to shift and talk thumbless. about like <laughs> packaging cost. You want me to like downgrade my, right? So better to not create that level of back and forth for the brain, but just to stick in one mode. Mm-hmm. Right. Awesome. Uh, so uh, we've identified that the first thing you do is you really kind of set the expectation. You communicate uh, why we're here, the the purpose, uh, the 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 way to go about communicating. Then the first question you ask is what's wrong or what's working. Sorry. Yeah. And then what's the next question? Just I want to. What's sure not working? What's not working? And and just let it flow is kind of the, yeah. the important stuff that we've let it or that, that we've covered to this point. So take it from there. Yeah. So now it starts to. We, we've got this, this idea list of things that are contributing to the problem that we've identified that we're trying to solve. And now that we've got a whole bunch of different um, opportunities to fix the problem, we can get serious on, on how that's going to look. And what that means is, was, okay, uh, we need to order more wet floor signs. Okay, simple thing, right? By who, by when, and how will we know if it's better? Um, and we go through that list and we say, okay, one of them may be very simple, like ordering more wet floor signs or getting the knob on the walk-in fixed. And others might be um, more complex, like we're actually missing something in our training book. Our training program is actually missing a piece on, on accidents that's contributing to this, like the use of cut gloves. Or, for example, we don't have a policy about cut gloves or um, – uh, there's a piece of equipment that requires further training because that's where a lot of these issues are coming from. And so assigning that to somebody and say, okay, who's the best person in the room to solve this problem? Who's the one that can really do this? Or maybe it's two people. Maybe somebody really knows how to use the equipment, but somebody else really knows how to lay it out in training, to take the pictures, to put the right words on the sheet, to include it in the training manual, to roll it out to the, to the restaurants so that the training can happen. Um, who's the right team to do it? By when should it be done realistically? And how will we know if it's better or worse? That creates the action. And we memorialize this. All of this stuff that's happening as a result of this exercise being written down. What's working? We write it down. What's not working? We write it down. How do we fix it? We write it down. And then we assign these responsibilities. It's part of our action list, right? These five things are going to be done in order to make this problem go away by a certain date. And the metrics that we're going to use, just like the metrics that we use for setting our tactics, are we'll know because in 30 days we can measure this in 30 days we can we can uh notice this and and we'll know it when we see it because we've set some metrics now the most important thing that happens after all this is everybody goes to work and does this stuff we have to come back we have to come back 30 days from now or 60 days from now or 90 days from now whenever we determine depending how urgent the issue is and when is a reasonable time to look back and say, yeah, it had an impact? We may not know in a week. We know, may not know in a month. But in three months, we will know. And that's when we're going to check back. And when we check back, we say, okay, what was the original problem? What did we say we were going to do? And how did we? what was the measurement? The measurement was that there had to be at least 10% reduction in accidents in order for, or it needed to be to zero, or it needed to be whatever. 
okay, did we do what we say we were going to do? Yes, we had the, we got the wet floor signs, we fixed the walk-in door, and we fixed the training manual, and we rolled it out, and we retrained everybody on how to use cut clothes. Great. What, are the, what does the data say? Data says we haven't had a reportable injury in six months or in two months or in whatever. Fucking A, let's celebrate. Or it says, well, actually, accidents have gone up or accidents have stayed flat. Wow, we didn't, we didn't fix what we thought we were going to fix. That wasn't the solution. So now we go back to creative destruction. What's working? Well, we're not having slip and falls anymore. We're not having lacerations anymore, but we are having this. Okay, we've got a new problem to solve. So what's not working? And how do we fix it? So what's the structure around this? Do you recommend every 30 days? And do you just like follow that template? Do you by chance happen to have a template for this? Well, I'm kind of giving it to you. And, um, and the, only template, the only template that I imagine, though I could probably come up with one pretty quick, is the tracking mechanism. What did we say we were going to do? Who's in charge of it? By when? And then a place to check back. You know, what's the, what's the data point that we're measuring? And keeping a running uh, observation of that, a running list of it, so that when we come back in 30 days or 90 days, we remember what we talked about. Because, you know, we've all got a lot of shit going on. We don't necessarily remember, but we need to. So that tool does that for us. As for the cadence, I think it depends on what it is and how urgent it is. If you're measuring... um, if you're measuring the impact of digital marketing, you maybe want to do that on a weekly basis because then you know if you have to if you have to pivot, right? That'd be like comparing the blue background to the red background. Oh, there's more clicks with the blue background. Okay, let's double down on the blue background and reduce the red background. I'm just throwing out an example, uh, or it may be something like um, the. Uh, there, you got third-party delivery, and they're making a lot of. There's a lot of mistakes in the packaging. We're getting a lot of complaints about missing stuff, missing items. Okay, well, we're going to do this, this, and this. We're going to have a checklist. We're going to have a sticker. We're going to we're going to retrain everybody that puts stuff in bags. What's the impact? We may need to do that on a weekly basis. But then there are other things that may need a longer time to mature in order for us to know whether it actually impacted. Yeah. So when you're having these meetings, do you recommend uh, just kind of? controlling the meeting or once you've delegated a certain vertical to somebody because you say who's the best person to handle this 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 task right do you just kind of go to that person and say what have you found out like what how do how would you recommend conducting a meeting like this so so let me say this i think it's a really good idea as a general practice uh, to have these meetings quarterly it's really important to have the discipline there are things that you may check sooner than quarterly because you don't want to wait three months to know whether it's working or not. But to have these quarterly is important. And I think that um, if you're if you're an organization where um, you're big enough to have people wearing the marketing hat, the finance hat, the HR hat, the real estate hat, whatever those hats are, if if you have people, then those are the people that are in charge of their vertical, to answer your question directly. If you're a smaller organization, then it's a question of casting, right? Who's the person who is most likely going to be able to wear that hat because they wear multiple hats? Mm-hmm. How much do they already have on their plates to be able to do? But how uh, directly connected to the outcome are they? Um, you don't want somebody looking on a marketing 
initiative, if they don't really have any gift for that, they're not going to do it well and they're not going to be excited and passionate about it. Yeah. So it becomes a question of casting at a small organization. Ultimately, um, the person who's responsible for the outcome is not necessarily the one who's doing the work all by themselves. They have a team with them. Hey, buddy, our job is to make sure that we reduce accidents and I need your help. And what I'd like you to do is this. And if you have any issues doing this, I'll help you. But here are my expectations of it. I'm not going to tell you how to do it, but I will tell you what we're looking for. I'll give them guardrails and then give them the, the, the empowerment and the ability to go off and do it the way that they feel that they can do it given my guidelines. So it sounds like this is a perpetual continuous thing. Like you're not just stopping. You don't just have the meeting once there's follow up and you keep on going and you, you constantly improve. And when do you know it's time to stop? You never stop. You never stop. No. I mean, you, you stop when, when it's not your business anymore. If we're not, if we're not constantly throwing rocks at our brand in the nicest possible way, if we're not constantly looking and kicking the tires and making sure then somebody is going to do something amazing that we're not doing and what it shows our organization, I think this is, this is the point of sort of ties it back to purpose-driven enterprise, Eric, is that when you have six people or 10 people in a room solving the problems and opportunities of the company, there's a tremendous amount of goodwill that's being exercised. Young workers today want to feel like their voice matters, like their opinion matters, like they can contribute. Managers want to feel like they can contribute. And when leadership is in the room with those people and you're hearing the culture coming from the founder himself or herself, you're um, hearing uh, people say, wow, that's an amazing idea. You've been here for three weeks and you came up with that idea. You're awesome. You're going places. And managers are feeling empowered to solve problems that they know exist, but they need resources. They need the okay. They need permission. They need whatever they need in order to solve problems. There's a tremendous amount of buy-in. The worst thing that can happen is that the meeting ends and then nothing changes. Yeah. So, so you're giving people so, an opportunity to be, to be seen is what I'm hearing. Yeah. That's to so be important. seen, to yeah. be heard, to be appreciated, to be valued, and then to contribute. And that's what And then does, for yeah. there to be some level of... Um, celebration for what's happened. Thank you. You really solved a huge problem for us. And if the end result is, uh, Hey, in order to fix this properly, it's going to cost money that we don't have right now, or it's um, too time consuming, or it's not a great enough priority. Then we should tell people, we should say, Hey, those great ideas that came out, we're going to do that. But if we do it right now, it's going to have this negative impact and we don't want to do that. So we're going to live with this problem for a little a little bit longer, but come July, this will be fixed. Yeah, and this is what we're going to do. Right? So, so that everybody knows that what came out of that meeting might not be everything that we wanted to do, but most of what we wanted to do, and there's a plan for the rest, or there's a definitive no because we had time to fin- to fi- to think about it some more, and we know that this isn't the right direction. So let's come back to the table and come up with some new ideas. Yeah. So the so it sounds like you're constantly, like you said, it never ends. You're constantly throwing rocks at the the greater, bigger picture. Where can we improve? What's better? But what about one vertical? Is it when you hit the goal? Because you you said early on that you want to set goals, right, for this process. Like here's where we are. Here's where we want to be. Does does one project ever come to an end? Sure. And- Except that uh, it, it does until until the business changes or until the landscape changes the clientele changes the law changes yeah 
until right, what you're so, doing before so, doesn't make any sense anymore. Yeah, you're you're good until you're not good anymore. And and I guess the the point is that um, then you bring it to the creative destruction session. Maybe it's not uh, maybe it's not that it's immediately a problem, but you know that next year when the law changes there's going to be an issue. I mean, we, we see this in, in human resources and people functioning all the time with, with different labor laws as they come up or as they evolve, that the system that got us here is not compliant anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. And therefore the system needs to be modified. This is this, the, the use of creative destruction and system management, making sure that systems fit, that they work, that they're compliant. That, that involves everybody in the room, right? Because finance knows things that ops, doesn't know. HR knows things that nobody knows. And if everybody's in the room, they say, okay, well, if you do the system that way, step one's great. Step two's great. Step three's great. Step four, step four and five should switch because if you did step five before step four, that would be way more efficient and HR would get what it needs in order to be compliant. Mm. And, and so we rethink it, but we have all the players at the table who can make the right informed uh, contribution to solving the problem the best way. Got it. Awesome. One more quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll start to wrap this up and round off the conversation if there isn't anything we haven't already hit. Today's episode is brought to you by Chow Now, a commission-free online ordering system and food ordering app helping restaurants feed their hungry customers. Over 20,000 restaurants trust Chow Now for their online ordering, and this is because Chow Now helps their restaurants keep their profits, own their online experience, meet their customers everywhere, and make every diner a regular. With Chow Now, take unlimited commission-free orders through Chow Now's app and site, and there are no setup fees or monthly payments. And what I really love about Chow Now is that you get to own your customer data. This is something not all third-party ordering apps can claim. And when you schedule a demo, don't forget to ask about leveling up with Chow Now Direct, Chow Now's comprehensive online ordering and marketing package. Because you are restaurant unstoppable listeners, you can enjoy 30% off the Chow Now Direct annual plan. Sign up today at chownow.com slash unstoppable. That's chownow.com slash unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by MarginEdge, a software platform for restaurant people by restaurant people. To be successful in the modern age, you need to be efficient by streamlining your processes and creating automation. Simply put, MarginEdge means data streamlined and insights automated. With MarginEdge, you can track food and labor costs in real time so you can make informed decisions in the moment. And who likes data entry? No one. So you'll be thrilled to hear that there's no more data entry with Margin Edge. They will save your team hours and paperwork by automating your invoice processing with line item detail. Don't worry about the integration either because Margin Edge allows you to seamlessly connect your POS and accounting systems and get a daily P&L. On top of all of this, Margin Edge enables you to digitally manage your inventory and recipes plus Plus, you can compare actual cost versus theoretical cost. Find out why over 3,100 restaurants are thrilled to be using Margin Edge. Head to marginedge.com slash unstoppable to sign up for your free demo. And when you use that link, you can try Margin Edge for free for 30 days. There's no contract. There's no setup fee. Plus, you get free unlimited training and support. That's marginedge.com slash unstoppable. One more time, marginedge.com slash unstoppable. We're back. And some of the questions I have uh, before we say goodbye today 
where do you see creative distraction come up most often? Like what are the different verticals within business? Uh, kind of just stepping, step, you know, taking a few steps back, big picture. What are the triggers in the life cycle or the events of a restaurant tour that would say now's a good time to implement creative distraction? Um, one that comes to my mind, I'll start cause I have one mm-hmm. locked and loaded is if you're, if you're moving into a new organization, uh, as a director of operations, or if you're a new hire at, a, at a, an executive level and you have to go in, I love this process. Uh, you're shaking your head. Why do you agree? Um, well, one, because it's a great way for the, for the new director of operations to get a real uh, tactical look at the organization. It's a great way for, for the team to connect with the director of operations and if the director of operations goes in with the shameless, blameless idea. And that's why I love it. It's super connective, right? Mm-hmm. He, it's it's instant for her, for him to build team. Yeah. And I think the other obvious one that comes to my mind is if you're purchasing a business, say somebody is trying to get out, they're done, uh, they're, they're burnt out, uh, and you're acquiring that asset. A lot of the times that asset comes with a team. That's part of the asset. And you're going in and there's a lot of destruction that needs to happen because there's a reason why that person's probably burnt out, right? So uh, you're going in there you're, and you don't want to go in pissing off your team, especially right now, because good luck rehiring everybody. You know, you want to work with what you got. Uh, so that, that approach of just being like, this isn't me. This is us. You're just as much as this process as I am. Well, what can we do better? And from day one, making them a part of that process I think it's just such a great way to, to, you know, just kind of, I hate the word destroy, but yeah, to break down, to deconstruct, to, to break that. It's it's such a positive way. What's going through your mind? Um, totally agree with you on, on those points. And also on a, on a more micro level, opening a restaurant. Yeah. You know, you're just opening your third restaurant. After a month, getting the people together and and giving them some food and saying, "Hey, let's just sit and talk about this. We don't need it. We don't need to take two hours, but just on a surface level, what's working, what's not, and how do we fix it?" Yeah. Is a tremendous amount of support to uh, to your general manager, your executive chef, who have been in it um, and who are tired from that first push and who might need some support. And it's a great way to have that conversation in a shameless, blameless way that gets them the support that they need. Um, so that's another time when it's important. Yeah. So David, I've loved today's conversation. I'm curious, what's what's next for you? What, what, what big projects do you have? I'm just curious. I kind of want to pick up the conversation where we left off the last time. I am just, uh, I am loving what I'm doing. Um, I've got so many great uh, companies, both on the advisory side and founders on the coaching side who are um, working through this exact thing, right? Coming up with their 10-year plan, looking at their values, looking at competency development so that they can grow their teams, um, coming up with uh, new systems to stay ahead of, of growth. And as somebody who speaks this language and who actually built a pretty substantial business. I love supporting them because I had that support. You know, I had people to uh, see around the corners for me and it's really, really fun being of service in that way. 
Uh, the other thing is that I'm developing um, a 12 month hybrid coaching program for uh, for businesses that are in growth mode that are beyond seed capital rounds. Uh, it's a 12 month program that provides part um, like leadership college, uh, boot camp, mastermind, bite size information with use, usable templates that you can walk away with and use. Um, and a supportive community of like-minded purpose-driven entrepreneurs to hold you accountable and to get support from. So um, that's getting ready to launch. And uh, if there's anybody who uh, is listening to this and who feels like, wow, the stuff that he's talking about, the stuff that Eric and Dave just talked about would be welcome for me. I think this could be really useful tools for me. I want to be that uh, person for you. So uh, get in touch. Yeah. Where is this going to live? Where's all this material going to live in this community going to live? It'll live online. Um, it'll be comprised of, uh, of uh, a portal uh, with video or live presentations and the templates in it. And then uh, weekly calls uh, with the community and, uh, and an online community so that people can participate in real time between weekly calls. Have you secured a domain yet? Um, I'm not ready for that yet okay. though. Uh, I mean, yeah, yes. I've, su- I've, I've secured a domain name yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> not a physical um, domain. And it'll come off of 10 year plan because it's, it's the 10 year plan accelerator. Got it. Awesome. Um, I mean, just listening to the, or just being a part of today's conversation, listening to you talk, it really hit a vein with me because I'm actually at this point of growth right now. Restaurant unstoppable. I've kind of reached this point where I, if you're not growing, you know, you're dying they say, and, uh, you know, I've, I've, I feel like I'm right there where like the, the next big, big change is actually you are uh, nice enough to block out time for me to help coach me in the new direction of scaling restaurant unstoppable and what that looks like. And it was super helpful. And you know, I would, I would be interested in recording something like that. Uh, like I think we actually did, did we record that? I think we may have, but um, if you ever want to do something like that again, live I'm down, man. Cause I, I love talking to you. Uh, you're, you're really great at helping steer the ship dude, for sure. I am always down to uh, hang out with you. So if there's any way that I can be supportive and it helps uh, the audiences, I'm, I'm excited. Um, if you want to check out um, the book, 10yearplan.co, you can learn more about the book and you can pick up a copy. Um, and, um, and quietadvisory.com is my website. And that's a great way to get on my calendar. If you want to talk through something or, um, uh, to email me. Uh, so that's it for today. Uh, David, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, to share your knowledge, uh, to go deep into creative destruction. Uh, I have a feeling this will not be the last time we talk. There is no question. My man, you are unstoppable. Right on. Thank you. There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to our guest today, David Dressler, for coming back on the show. And this is exactly how I see the future of Restaurant Unstoppable going. One of the things you've heard me say is it's not about the quantity of relationships you have. It's about the quality of relationships you have. And Restaurant Unstoppable has made some really great relationships over the past nine years. And I really want to start going back to these people, these experts, these leaders in our industry and saying, hey, where do you have specialized knowledge? What don't you think is discussed enough in the industry and where can we go deeper? And that's exactly what happened today. Uh, we, we just recently had David Dressler on the show. And I mean, my flagship content is exactly what you heard the first time we had David on the show where we're sharing his story. 
tell us the story of your journey of a restaurateur, how you got to where you are today, what you've learned, what you would do differently, what advice do you have for the next generation? That's Restaurant Unstoppable. And then we have our Thursday episodes where we're going deep. We're lecturing on a specific topic or a workshop on how to do something. And there's just when I get these people on the show for the first time, I want to I want to get the most out of that that interview that two hours and then I want to follow up and say what could we have talked an hour about if you came back on the show and that's what we did today awesome stuff and we are trying to scale this thing we're trying to take restaurant unstoppable to the next level and we need your help so if you found value in today's show please support this podcast by supporting our sponsors using our affiliate links signing up for the network where these live conversations happen and then subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, We're trying to build that YouTube channel. The more subscribers we have, the more valuable that channel becomes. And we're looking for a flagship sponsor to basically help us uh, get this video content. So head over there, subscribe youtube.com slash restaurant unstoppable. And we're also looking to open, uh, not open, but start new podcasts. So, I have this incredible asset, Restaurant Unstoppable, and I want to use this asset to create opportunity for other people in my network who are just, you know, totally deserving of that opportunity and give them a voice and give them a platform. So if we were to start a new podcast, what would you want us to talk about? What focus would you like us to cover? Is it technology? Is it innovation? Is it marketing? Let us know. All right, that's it for today. Until next time, peace out.